subject, what are we going to, as a church, what do we need to do? Uh, I know what I'm fixing to read to you, and it's not going to be. Now, look, if some of y'all been on vacation and, or you had not been here a while, I'm not picking on you, okay? You're going to feel like I'm picking on you when it's over. But honest to God, if I thought I was picking on you, I wouldn't preach it. I'm not picking on you. So don't go out here and say, boy, he spoke to me today. I hope everybody will go out here and say, the Lord spoke to me today. Because I don't, I don't use this pulpit, or at least I don't feel like I do, as a whipping post. That's just, it doesn't work anyway. Time you eat lunch, you didn't forget everything I said. So I, I don't want to do that, and I don't want you to go out here with a bad taste in your mouth, but I don't want you to go out here just having your ears tickled either. And so that's why I kind of want to let you hear from Jesus today. If you'll turn in Matthew 22, verse 34, the, the religious leaders were doing their best at this particular time to make Jesus look bad. And I'll tell you something today. Satan's doing everything he can in this world today to make the church look bad. Making us, trying to make us look like a bunch of uneducated dummies. I may be a dummy, but I'm not uneducated. I've been through the third grade. I'm like Jethro Bodine. No, I've got a college education. I don't say that much, and I don't boast in it. Because when I was in college, all I learned is how much I didn't know. And, uh, and I've got one year of seminary on my belt, and that don't do me any good either, uh, especially when it comes to the subjects that we're going to talk about today. Jesus, in verse 34 in Matthew 22, said this. But when the Pharisees heard that he, had si- that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they thought up of a fresh question of their own to ask him. Now, the reason they're doing that, they're trying to mess with him. They're trying to make him look bad. Here's what they asked the es- expert, or one of them, an in ex- uh, expert in religious law. He tried to trap him with this question. He said, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses. By the way, what is the most important one of the Ten Commandments? You see, Jesus knew that he had to be careful here because they were trying to trip him up in a way to make all the others don't have not look so significant. Let me tell you something. If God says to do it, you better understand that's significant. I don't care what it is. And I don't care who gets mad because it's being taught or preached. So remember that when I start stepping on toes. Jesus replied this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He then said, but a second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then in verse 40, he said, all the other commandments and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two. So, it really doesn't matter what you seem, you know, you may be here today and you say, I know what the church needs. I got it. I know, I know, I know. What we really need to do is we need to get to practicing all the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. I agree. But you haven't been given them all. But what you have been given, yeah, you do. But I'm not sure that's the most important. 
Well, I know what it is. We need a wonderful discipleship program. After all, you're kind of weak in that, Pastor. Okay, well, pick on me. I am. But I got news for you. That's not the most important thing a church needs to do. Well, you may be here and say, you know, I believe we need to get back to the old-fashioned knocking on doors and getting out there in the, in the community and, and just start telling about Jesus. I do too. I can sit here all day and say, I do too. But then when I ask you, y'all come, you go on vacation. Then there are those who say, well, now, preacher, you don't need to be preaching messages that burn chat people. You need to be seeker-friendly. You need to be a little bit easy on people. And don't talk about sin and don't talk about, talk about the good things in life. Well, I, I believe we need to talk about the good things in life. I did. But I also know that what Jesus is talking about here, the church's not doing. And when, when you start breaking that down in a minute, you're going to understand it, it, it's sort of embarrassing. Well, what we really need is to move strictly toward contemporary music, throw away anything that sounds familiar to the past, paint the ceilings black, put mood lights, and have every kind of weird thing going on so we can affect people emotionally and we can get them ready for worship. I got news for you. Jesus didn't have any of that stuff. But there was some worshiping going on when Jesus was on this earth. And there was some discipling going on. He didn't have a lot, but he had 12. One of them's a traitor. Well, really, what would be now if, Lord, we just need to be ministry-minded to our community. Well, I, you know, I think we are. Not everybody. We got a still small few still trying to hold the fort and minister to the community. Well, I built, I, I, I built eight, ten houses in, in my time and when I was in high school, coming up in high school, I, I was a framer. If you don't know what that means, it means you work like a slave. And, and you learn how to build houses, put up the woodwork, the framework. And I just wasn't a person that would be satisfied just driving a nail or toting the lumber. I wanted to learn how to read those plans. And I wanted how to lay out those walls, not to get out of work, but I just wanted to have an edge. I always wanted to have an edge. That's old pride in my. Well, you know what? Once we got through building the house, and how many builders I got in here today? Raise your hand. You have anything to do with building? You know what I'm talking about. Once you get through with the plans and you get through with the project, you step back and you go, man, looks good. Looks good. But then God called me to preach. And God called me into ministry, and all of a sudden I realized, what do you take as a measurement a success. How do you know you're succeeding? Especially when you start hearing stuff like this. Today, in most churches, all throughout all denominations, 80% of the work is carried out by 20% or less of the people. We have become today a church of spectators. It's kind of like going to the movies. You go see your favorite movie, you're excited about it, and you, you, know, you get there and you get some popcorn and, and, and all that candy and, and, and get you a good drink, and you sit down, you're ready for the movie. Then you, when the movie's over, you get up 
and you forget about it until the next movie. Maybe. If it pleased you well enough, or you might not bless it again for months or years. Only 39% of active believers consider the Bible the literal Word of God. And less than 20% of professing believers for the biblical, believe in the biblical principle of giving. Only 5% have shared their faith with non-believers, and more than half of all church members attend church once a month. Can I ask you a question? How good a job are we doing? told you it's going to get a little rough. I love it. They say you can say all what you say and the way you say it. If you smile, you tell them you love them. Ladies and gentlemen, most of the mainline denominations are declining. And even in the last 10 years in the Southern Baptist Convention, we're declining. You say, well, now, Mike, look, I know of churches in, in other countries that are growing. I do, too. I, actually, I know some churches in the United States are growing. But most in the majority of churches are declining. What's going on, guys? Christianity, in terms of numbers in the United States as a whole, has become a mission field, and we're declining. Church membership, attendance, baptisms are declining all across the board and mainline denominations. In 1980, I had the privilege of taking my first church pastor. I was 23, I think, 24 years old, about Tyler's age. Probably didn't have the sense he has. Ain't neither one of us have a whole lot of sense. And I, for 38 years, that's just pastoring. I spent two, of, two additional years, 1978, 1979 in Bible college. Finished up 80, 82. I have built my life around Jesus and the church. Of course, my family. I hope to die serving his church. I've made every attempt to study what I believe Jesus teaches about the purpose and the need for his church. What I see, though, is that today church desperate, the churches and members need to desperately do two things. Fall back in love with Jesus and fall in love with people, your neighbor. My wife and I were going down our road the other day, and she said, Mike, what's, what's about? It was last night. We were riding the golf cart, and it was kind of quiet, and I don't drive it fast because she gets nervous. So we're just kind of cruising along about one mile an hour. <laughs> and every house we go by have gates up on them. Except me and a couple of other neighbors and Josh, we can't afford them. Those gates are expensive. And then they fenced in their yards. Now, if you, when you come up to a house, 
Now, now, look, if you've got one, I ain't slamming you, all right? I don't, maybe you've got a problem or that's just something you always wanted all your life. Well, you got it. I ain't trying to make you feel good. I'm just telling you from one that don't have it. And a pastor that wants to go visit the houses, this is what I look at. He don't want me there. If he's fenced in, gated solid, he don't want me in his house. Now, that's my opinion, all right? I can't give you a verse and point, but that's just how I feel about it. She said, what's up with all these gates? I said, I don't know. I said, but the church don't care today anyway. They ain't out visiting them. They don't care. They don't care whether they're in church or not. Now, let me tell you, let's back up to the basics. Jesus said, the greatest commandment is you love me with all your heart and with all your soul. In your mind. Do you love Jesus like that? I don't see. Now, this is going to get a little rough, rougher here. Maybe I'll just sl- shut down here a little bit. Cause, but how can a spectator say they love Jesus? How can someone just come and watch the movie, watch the show, I heard one I was out visiting, and this person, boy, you sure got a good show on Sunday morning. You know what? That about made me mad. Is that what church has become today? A show? Whoever's got the biggest band, the most smoke and blue, blue mood lights and all the other lights, whoever has the most congregation... And the most people, that's success. Well, I got news for you. No, it's not. It's not. Jesus was successful and he didn't have it 12. Now, don't trim me back down to 12. I've already been there. That ain't no fun. Preach the same 12. You you all think you all got it bad? For 38 years, my boys and my wife has had been listening to me. You know what? I get tired of hearing me sometimes. <laughs> 38 years, they've been faithful listening to me. And my boys are in church. Not, I am bragging about that because I got a lot of pastor friends. Their kids don't go to church. They hate church. They hate church people. They hate religion. Cause a lot of mean snakes in church. Now, y'all ain't mean. Y'all sweet, loving, and kind. Never said a bad thing about me behind my back. You know, Satan, he loves the church too, but he loves it a little different. You see, he loves to get you and me sideways with what's true about the church. You say, what do you mean? Well, listen, if if Satan were to write the Beatitudes, here's what he'd say. Blessed are those who are too tired, too busy, too distracted, to spend an hour once a week with fellow Christians. Satan says, those are my best workers. Blessed are those who are Christians who wait to be asked to serve and expect to be thanked. Oh, I can use them. Blessed are the touchy. With a bit of luck, they may stop going to church. They're my missionaries. 
Blessed are the troublemakers. They shall be called my children. Blessed are the complainers. I, all, I'm all ears to them. Blessed are those who are bored with the minister's mannerism, mistakes, and messages. They get nothing out of the sermons. Blessed is the church member who expects to be invited to his own church, for he is a part of the problem instead of part of the solution. Blessed are those who gossip, for they shall cause strife and divisions and please me, not me, Satan. Blessed are they who are easily offended, for they will soon get angry and quit. Blessed are those who do not give their offering to carry out the support of God's work. They're my helpers. Blessed is those who profess to love God but hate his brothers and sister. And know this, Satan says, you shall be with me forever. Blessed are you when you hear this and think it's all about other people and not yourself. Satan says, I got you. Now, as I read that and I thought about it, there are two things that immediately come to mind. Number one, I can honestly say I pastored every one of those type of church members. Number two, what the church desperately needs is more members who are simply in love with Jesus and his church. His church. You know what? I don't have to ask, do you love golf if you're a golfer? I don't have to ask, if you're a fisherman, do you like to fish? Boy, I love to fish. Mike, would you fish on Sunday? If you weren't around, I might. I don't wait to midnight anymore. I get too anxious. I just ask for forgiveness and start catching them. You know, some of you are so darn religious. You've, religious, you've made the, 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 the everyday a non-special days. And all you, you, you're just religious on Sunday, and then you act like a devil Monday through Saturday. Church, the world sees that too. Well, Jesus went about it this way. He said, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. The first thing I want to say real quick is what the church really needs to do is love the church of Jesus with a loving affection. Let me ask you some questions. Do you love God's church? Yeah, I'm asking you, do you really love God's church? Do you really? I'm not asking, do you love me? I'm not asking, do you love the staff? I'm not asking, do you love the servants of this church or the musicians or, or the music? I'm not even asking if you love Sunday school teachers. Do you love God's church? Then why do you not serve in it? Why are you just a spectator? Now, you can be a sweet tear if you don't too. Why? But when my wife puts it on me, I don't know about you guys, but when my wife says, do you love me? I can't say, you know I love you. I can't do that no more. It don't work at my house. You say, where is, my, where is your wife today? She's in children's church serving. She said, I don't know if I want to go to children's church. I said, go, sir. They need you. I want to talk about her anyway, just a little bit. You know. Well, what my wife says, if you love me, it will show. How? The way I treat her. The way she gets my attention. 
what I say to her or what I don't say. Well, how can we say, this is sort of gets my gourd, and I don't, I, I don't keep a church attendance. I'd like to, but I don't because then I'd get, I'd get to meddling and y'all would get mad at me, and then you'd never come back. But do you just come once a month? Now, I know I see some of y'all's faces more than once a month, but are you just a once a month attender, spectator? Now, how could I just show up once a month and say, Ooh, I love Jesus with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. Come on. Really? Really? You say, I don't believe Jesus cares whether or not I love his church or not. Well, then, I want you to turn to Acts 9 and read this or write it down one day because I'm just going to paraphrase it. In Acts 9... God said to Saul on the Damascus Road, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You better hear me now, folk, because this is Jesus. Paul didn't think, or Saul didn't think he was persecuting Jesus. He thought he was what? Persecuting the church. What was Saul doing? Killing them. Paul, why are you persecuting me? Ladies and gentlemen, that throws a whole new light on love and affection of Jesus. If you say you love God, if you say you love Jesus, and you don't give a rip whether anybody gets saved, you don't give a rip about whether or not your church is is making it on its financial goal or not, and you've made all these commitments, and you don't give a rip what you've made, or you don't care. It just, it's out of your mind, out of sight, out of mind. Somebody said, why do you keep putting that old yellow sign up there to remind Mike Franklin that he made a commitment that in three years he would collect and give to God that amount of money? That's why I do it. We're $543,560.64. Somebody needs to round that off to a dollar. <laughs> Why you persecute me, Paul? What is he saying? Anything you do, Paul, that hurts the church hurts me. When you don't support your church, you're not supporting me. When you don't give to the church... You're hurting me. When you don't serve in the church, you're hurting me. When you don't share me with your lost loved ones in the world, you're hurting me. That's what Paul was being told. When you don't love the church like you ought to, then you don't love me like you ought to. One little four-year-old boy told his mama one time, said, Mama, when I grow up, I'm going to buy you a fur coat. I'm going to buy you a diamond ring and a Mercedes Benz. One day, his mother scolded him, and he made all these mistakes. He pointed his fingers, and Mommy said, There goes your fur coat. We laugh at that, but do you know, if you get mad at something I say, or you get mad at something I do, 
or you get mad at a decision that you didn't agree with, you either quit coming to church or you quit tithe. And you justify that by saying, I'm doing the right thing, God. No, you're not. You're not doing that at all. Look, you're cheating yourself. By getting and trying to retaliate at me, I ain't helping you a bit. Are you serving me? Boy, poor soul. I can't save one of you, any of you, at all. But Jesus can. I'm just a piece of flesh. No matter what you do, whether it's in giving, singing, winning people to Jesus, sitting in the pew on Sunday morning, you do it, Jesus said, because you love me with your heart and your soul and your mind. You know why the church is declining today? You want to know why? We're not seeing great numbers being saved. People don't care anymore. Mike, you know the prophecy, don't you? Yeah, I know the prophecy. Do you think we're in the last day? Yeah, I know we're in the last days. Well, you know what one of the prophecies are the last days, right? Yeah, I read, I know it. Well, what is it? At the end time, there will be, right before Jesus comes back, a great apostasy. A great falling away of the church. Well, just because I know that, am I supposed to play into that? Because I know that might be prophecy and Jesus come back, am I supposed to sit down and quit giving? Am I supposed to sit down, quit serving, quit sharing Jesus, quit, quit doing anything? Because it's coming to an end. Absolutely not. Do you know there may be some people that will receive Christ because you were not so selfish with yourself and your time that you were willing to share? And they heard from Jesus. And they get saved. Some of those people will may never come to know the Lord because you don't love Jesus with your heart, your soul, and your mind. And you don't love your neighbor as yourself. Mike, what do you do when you live around lost neighbors? Well, what I don't do is take the King James or the New Living Translation or I don't take a box of tracks and and bombard them. I don't do that. I do the opposite. Because I get to talk to them every once in a while and, and when they ask me a question, I just pray that God lets me have those opportunities, and when I do, I take them. Now, they don't like it. One of my particular neighbors I'm praying for, I love him to death, he said, well, brother, tell me something that's good news. I said, he didn't ask that. He didn't ask that. Well, I told him. He quickly said, I got to go. I'll see you later. Well, I knew that, and I don't hold that against him because people that don't know Jesus Satan has a hold on them. And he don't like to give loose. He don't like to let go. 
But I don't want any of my neighbors or friends or family or, or whoever that's lost. I don't want them to go to hell. Do you? No, I don't. I'll have to quit. I got 1.0 of 3. I'll finish it sometime. I love my wife and my kids and my grandkids, but I ain't going to feed them. I love my wife and my house, but I ain't paying that house no. And by golly, I'm not paying the power bill this month. I'm not giving them a dime of my money. Now, does that sound like I love my family? Absolutely not. Preacher, that's my money. No, it ain't never has been your money and never will be your money. It's God's money. He's entrusted you with it. I'll do whatever I want to with my time. So not your time. It's God's time. He will entrust you just enough time. And then I promise you, you're going to die. Your heart's going to quit. Those are my kids. I'll do with them what I want to. Oh, really? Be careful what you say there. I lost two. By living in my sinful attitude, I lost two. Better keep your mouth shut. Keep your mind blocked. That's my house. Oh, it is. Most everybody I know, the bank owns them. Including me. Got a plan. If it works. Ladies and gentlemen, do you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and your mind? Can I ask you a question? Prove it. Not to me. I can't help you. Prove it! You know what you're going to have to stand before Jesus on? The very thing I'm sitting here today. It ain't going to have how many people you want to Jesus. It's not going to be how many times you attended this church. It's not going to be how much money you give or what you do politically. Do you love me? He said that to Peter. Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? You know I love you, Lord, with all my heart. And feed my sheep. Quit. Get your head out of the sand of this world. This world's going to disappear. Your jobs are going to be nothing in eternity. You're not going to stand with your chest out. Look what a house I built, Jesus. They ain't going to mean a thing. But your love for him and your love for your neighbor, buddy, that's the first. And Jesus said that, not Mike Franklin. Father, we thank you today.